Today's episode takes place in Wagoner, South Carolina, a town located in Aiken County and is actually considered part of the greater Augusta, Georgia metropolitan area. Wagoner is not known to be a particularly safe place to live, due in part to the high property-related crimes like robberies. According to CrimeGates.org, Wagoner is only in the ninth percentile for safety, and there are only 9% of other U.S. cities with crime rates worse than that. That's pretty astounding considering the population was only reported as 1,267 people as of 2020. In general, the state of South Carolina struggles with crime, especially domestic violence. In fact, as reported by Live 5 News, this problem reportedly cost the state more than $350 million in 2020. And South Carolina ranks seventh out of all the states with women who have experienced intimate partner violence in their lifetimes. And about 42% of women and 29% of men are expected to experience intimate partner violence in their lifetimes at least once. And the victim of today's episode, sadly, is among those subjected to abuse. Today's episode features a story of a beautiful mother of four who suddenly disappeared from her home one night in August 2022. I have recorded and re-recorded this episode at least twice due to the many updates. However, this time, I'm finally and sadly able to present you with this heartbreaking story. I'm Renetta Rideout. And this is Massage Noir Murders. On Monday, August 22nd, 2022, hairstylist Shadira Smothers was busy minding the business that pays her, so she hadn't really paid much mind to the fact that she hadn't heard from her baby sister, 30-year-old Crystal Anderson. That's Crystal with the K. Sweet, helpful, friendly, very family-oriented Crystal. It's only been a couple of days, and it's not uncommon for a day or two to pass between when Shadira would last talk to Crystal. She knew that if she hadn't talked to Crystal, then someone else in her family likely had, like their mom, Wanda Sumter. So she really wasn't worried at all. That is, until she got a phone call from Crystal's job. Apparently, Crystal was a no-show at work, which was not typical behavior for her. With four children to care for, Crystal was responsible and wouldn't miss work without giving a heads up. So that phone call was weird and placed a butt of concern in Shadira's mind. And she might have tried to explain that strange occurrence away if her phone hadn't rang with another more disturbing phone call. This time, that butt of concern blossomed into full-blown fear. Crystal's oldest son's father called Shadira to ask her if she'd seen Crystal because she failed to pick up their son from school. 
Now, as weird as it was for Crystal to not show up to work, failing to pick up one of her kids from school wasn't just bizarre. It flat out would not happen under normal circumstances. Shadira knew in her gut that something stopped Crystal from picking up her son, but she didn't know what it could be. Now she feared for the worst and she tried to call Crystal over and over again. But when each call went unanswered, she called Crystal's boyfriend, Tony Lee Berry, to see what he knew. Surely he would know something, being that the 48-year-old lived with Crystal and he's also the youngest child's father. Tony told Shadira that he hadn't seen Crystal since around 1 a.m. on Sunday, August 21st, and according to him, she left on her own. Tony kind of made it sound like he was so inconvenienced because Crystal supposedly left the kids at the house with him, and he had to make arrangements for their care since she never came back. This news stuns Shadira, and now she wants to know why Tony hadn't contacted the police to report Crystal missing, and of course she wanted to know where her nieces and nephews were. Tony told her he kept the kids home from school, and he planned to report Crystal missing, but hadn't gotten around to it yet. Sus, I know, and Shadira thought so too. So she told him that if he didn't report Crystal missing, she would and she wanted those kids taken to her mom's house now. And to my surprise, Tony actually did file a police report with the Wagoner Police Department. According to WAGT NBC News, an officer did some type of investigating, although I'm definitely side-eyeing the very minimal effort. The report stated that, quote, a Wagoner police officer told deputies he'd spoken with several people, including Barry, by phone. The officer said Barry stated about Crystal that she had not been at the residence since Sunday and had left the children with him, end quote. Yep, you heard that right. The officer conducted a phone interview with the last person to see Crystal alive, and that was the extent of the so-called investigation. Obviously, this is pretty abhorrent and unforgivable, but it's exactly why Crystal's family took matters into their own hands. What choice did they have? Crystal's family began their own search and Shadira used social media as a megaphone to blast out details about Crystal and the circumstances surrounding her disappearance. She also was not shy about putting everything she knew at that point out there, and she had very strong words to say about Tony, and that she believed he did something to her sister. Now, on Tuesday, August 23rd, the children were dropped off to their grandmother Wanda's house by Denise Berry, Tony's sister. The fact that Denise was dropping the kids off was a huge red flag to Shadira and her mom, but what really set it off was the story that the kids had to tell when they were finally united with their grandma and aunt. Crystal's nine-year-old son, whom I'll call Caleb for this episode, told his grandmother and auntie that on Saturday, he and his siblings were at home. It's not totally clear where exactly Crystal was because I've read accounts that state she was out of the house as well as those that state she was at home. But 
I'm going to go with the narrative that Crystal was out because it was relayed that Tony actually barged into the home and aggressively questioned the children about their mom's whereabouts. Caleb said Tony asked if his mom had been out with another man and he, a scared child, answered that Crystal had been. Well, this information just set Tony ablaze with rage and not long into his fit, Crystal came back to the house and she and Tony started arguing. Not wanting her children further involved in this mess Tony stirred up, Crystal walked outside where the two of them continued their argument. And that's when the children heard their mom scream. By the time the kids scrambled to look out the window, Caleb saw Tony stuffing their mom into his 2007 Cadillac CTS. When he eventually came back inside the house, Tony was alone and the kids never saw Crystal again. Now, sometime after witnessing that, Caleb said Tony took them and his siblings to his 23-year-old son Darius's house. It's not too clear when exactly they went there or how long they stayed, but I believe it was between Sunday and Monday. Regardless of when, the timing was weird and it led Crystal's family to believe that maybe Tony went to Darius's house for help, which would make sense since Tony's sister Denise had already been helpful in taking the kids to their grandma's house. So now things just went from zero to 100 for Crystal's family. Armed with Caleb's disturbing account of what happened, Wanda wasted no more time and went straight to the Aiken County Sheriff's Department to report Crystal missing. Wanda reported all she knew about Crystal, Tony, and the events Caleb described as having happened on Saturday night. Wanda was certain Crystal would never disappear on her kids like that. But in addition to the kids, Wanda knew Crystal wouldn't leave her either. You see, Wanda was just diagnosed with a brain aneurysm a week before Crystal went missing. Up until her disappearance, the big topic of discussion among Wanda and her daughters was making sure things were in order and that her girls were near her. So she knows in her heart of hearts that Crystal would never leave like this on her own. She also did tell the police that Crystal had run away before, but she never left her children or without her mother and sister knowing exactly where she was. Wanda explained that Crystal ran away because she was desperate to escape abusive, jealous, and controlling Tony. She explained that when Crystal ran away before, she'd always taken her children with her and they'd just hole up with family or friends somewhere. But every time she ran, she would eventually and reluctantly go back to Tony. Why, you may ask? Well, Good old Tony would threaten the lives of Crystal's family, including her sick mother. As a victim of domestic violence, Crystal was terrified of Tony and worried about how far he was willing to go to keep control of her. And I know some of you listening still mount high horses in words like, that's stupid, or couldn't be me, or I would have been out of there, still cross your mind. However, once again, I'm happy to challenge those same people to do some serious reading about the trials, tribulations, and absolute terror domestically abused people endure. And then you tell me if it's so easy to deal with and escape. 
At the end of the day, you don't know what you would or wouldn't do until you're faced with the situation, which I hope you never have to experience. I have been subject to intimate partner abuse and I can tell you firsthand, it's no walk in the park. And no matter how smart, talented, educated, or well off one may be, when faced with violence, it's a complete shock to the brain. It's like you can't believe this is happening to you. This stuff doesn't happen to you. It happens to other people, right? And then when you add children and other loved ones into the mix, it's the perfect recipe for paramount fear and continued abuse for a lot of people. So again, please be mindful to keep those victim shaming and blaming thoughts out of your mind. The responsibility lies solely on the abuser. Anyway, I digress. Upon taking Wanda's report, you'd think that with at least one witness hearing Crystal scream and being shoved into the trunk of a car that the sheriff's office would have immediately put out a bolo or be on the lookout for Tony's car and activated the Ashanti alert. But that never happened. And for those who don't know, Let me take a second to tell you what an Ashanti alert is. In 2018, the Ashanti alert was signed into law after 19-year-old Ashanti Billy's body was found in Charlotte, North Carolina, 11 days after she disappeared from Norfolk. The Ashanti alert has a similar function as the Amber alert, except it's designed to disseminate information to law enforcement agencies and media to help locate missing persons aged 18 to 64. In order for an Ashanti alert to be activated among law enforcement, the missing persons must suffer from proven mental or physical disability, missing under circumstances that indicate the missing adult is endangered, or the adult's disappearance is involuntary. So based on all that criteria, the Ashanti alert definitely should have been activated, and yet the sheriff's department did nothing. Shadira took to Facebook again, blasting Aiken County Sheriff's Department for their no to low efforts. She was angry that her family had to hire an investigator and that they had to investigate Crystal's disappearance independently possibly contaminating evidence, which would not be helpful in any future legal proceedings. But that really couldn't be helped. The police weren't doing anything, so Crystal's loved ones did everything they could to find her, including putting up a $2,500 reward for information. Lead after lead called and messaged Shadira, some of them being more helpful than others, but no matter the clue, Crystal's family followed up on it, determined to find her. I will briefly mention that while Shadira was relaying the details she knew on Facebook, Tony decided he better do something to try to quote-unquote clear his name, so he used Darius's Facebook account to make his statement. Tony said a lot of bullshit, And I won't get too far into the weeds about that because, frankly, it sounded like the ramblings of a guilty, woman-hating man. 
Of course, he made no mention of the allegations of abuse, but he did bring up his phone interview with the Wagoner officer. And he said the officer he spoke to told him he was not a suspect or even a person of interest in Crystal's disappearance. He also said there was nothing wrong or suspicious about him taking the kids to Darius's house or seeing his mom and sister. He weakly argued they are his family and visiting them shouldn't be weird or misconstrued into something else. He also said something else, which I thought was pretty stupid with a capital S, but hey. Tony said that after his phone interview with the police officer, his mother advised him to cut all contact with police and Crystal's family because that's definitely going to throw them off of his trail, right? This was just bad advice and at the very least he should have gotten an attorney, but he chose to go MIA. After that Facebook post, Tony wasn't heard from again. However, there were plenty of people who say they saw him, including one woman who said he actually assaulted and robbed her just days after Crystal's disappearance. Absolutely insane. This guy is a freaking menace. Meanwhile, the family's investigation is underway and it began at Crystal and Tony's house in Wagoner, where they had just recently moved to from Columbia, South Carolina. The family and their investigator returned to the scene of the crime in hopes of finding a clue that would lead them to Crystal. They looked around for anything that would indicate where Crystal might be. They looked for things like her purse and cell phone, but neither were anywhere to be found. Without finding much at the house, they turned their search outward to follow up on leads received from the community. Shadira told Keani Reed for Datelines Missing in America that those leads led them to swamps, cemeteries, and wooded areas looking for a shallow grave that might hold crystal. Just the thought of them having to do that on their own really makes my stomach hurt. I can't imagine walking through somber, haunted places in search of my loved one. Can you imagine doing such a thing? It really is impossible to fathom, and yet this was the reality for Crystal's family. Hey, parents and caregivers. As we dive headfirst into another school year, we all know how important it is to give our kids the tools they need to succeed. But sometimes they could use a little extra help. That's where Star Academic Coaching comes in. Star Academic Coaching specializes in providing top-notch educational support for students from elementary through high school. Whether your child needs to catch up, get ahead, or just wants to excel even further, they've got you covered. And let me share a personal story with you. When my family embarked on our homeschool journey, my daughter was struggling in math, transitioning from public school. That's when we discovered Star Academic Coaching and it turned everything around. Thanks to the incredible support from Avante Robertson, or as we call her, Miss A, my daughter not only caught up, but gained a newfound confidence in math. Miss A empowers students to break through their perceived limits and reach new academic heights while building strong, resilient learners. So whether your child needs a boost or additional enrichment, Star Academic Coaching is here for you. Don't wait until progress reports are around the corner. Take action now. 
visit staracademiccoaching.com or call 888-731-STAR to schedule your discovery call today. Give your child the support they deserve to shine with Star Academic Coaching, where stars are born. The family's investigation continued despite the difficulty, leading them to several places Tony is known to hang out at. One such place was a trailer at an undisclosed location where they found disturbing evidence that only made them feel more concerned about Crystal's safety. There was evidence of root work, which is defined by an article published by Afram News as an ancestral form of alchemy, which includes herbalism, mediumship, and divination. Now, root work is not inherently bad. In fact, root work is a cornerstone of traditional African spirituality, or in evolutions of those practices post-chattel slavery. Spiritual practices like hoodoo and santareya are two such examples and really shouldn't be feared so much as respected and practiced carefully. Unfortunately, African spiritual practices have been horribly convoluted by Christianity and condemned as witchcraft and devil worship, which is simply not the case. Now, that's not to say that people with bad intentions can't use the spiritual practices for nefarious reasons, which is exactly what it sounds like the private investigator stumbled upon in the abandoned trailer. There were 11 ounce jarred candles that had been completely burned out. Written on the front of those candles were the words, quote, do as I say, Crystal Anderson, end quote, along with her birthday, October 22nd. There was also evidence of some type of herb that had been burned, possibly sage, which can be used to cleanse the environment of spiritual presences. Shadira stated that they also found, quote, skulls, demonic cards, and sex stuff, end quote. Now, I don't know about you, but this scene scared me, not just because of the dark root work, but because of the sex items. I wondered what those things were for and if Crystal had been taken there after she was stuffed in that trunk. I shudder to think about what she might have endured during that time if she was there. No other details about that trailer have been discussed, so I don't know what additional evidence, if any, was found or if there was anything to suggest Crystal had even been there herself. In addition to the trailer, there was something else that was found, something major. The private investigator also found Tony's car. You see, when Crystal first went missing, Tony had been seen car swapping between his mom's car and two or three other cars. The car found by investigators had been set on fire. From what I understood about it, the car was completely burnt out which is never a good sign. Usually when a car is found burnt up like that, it's to conceal evidence or oftentimes has a body enclosed in the trunk or in the back seat. Thankfully, that was not the case with this car. 
At this time, the public had no idea if the car was the same car that Caleb saw his mom being forced into or if it was a different car altogether. Surely there had to be something there that someone didn't want found, but what that is or could have been has never been disclosed. But once the car was found, you better believe that Shadira and family were quick to let the police know. But it's not clear what the police did with the information. I have to assume the news about this burnt up car roused some type of suspicion because finally, by the first week of September, Aiken County Sheriff's Department began their investigation into Crystal's disappearance. Logically, the first person they wanted to talk to was Tony. He had a lot of explaining to do from his last interaction with Crystal to the burned car, but he was still MIA. And to be honest, I'm not exactly sure how hard police tried to locate him. Again, according to Shadira, it was quite obvious that at the very least, his mother, sister, and son were helping him. I don't know if the police interviewed them, but I want to hope that they did, or at least talk to Denise since she's the one who dropped the kids off to Wanda. I do know that whatever questions police had and whoever they had or hadn't questioned, there was still no warrant for Tony's arrest or anyone else's for that matter, which frustrated and infuriated Crystal's family. As upsetting as it is, this is a normal part of the investigation though. Before a warrant for arrest can be granted, enough probable cause has to be present. This includes any evidence that can prove Tony's involvement in Crystal's disappearance, and the only way to obtain said evidence is by investigating. You see the rub? Investigations, as I always say, are never a straight line to the truth, and they don't go as smoothly as they do on TV. But on September 7th, the police get their chance to prove to Crystal's family that they are committed to finding her because guess who waltzes into the sheriff's department? Tony. Apparently, he was ready to have that much needed conversation with police and surely they had lots of questions for him. But I don't know exactly what was asked or answered as far as Crystal goes. However, Tony did offer an explanation about the car and I'm not gonna lie, it's stupid as fuck as told by Shadira on Facebook. Here goes. Allegedly, Tony claims that while he laid up at a crack house following his girlfriend's disappearance, someone stole his car. So of course he has no idea what happened to it after that point. He claims he didn't set it on fire and that he had no reason to do so. The thing about this car, according to Shadira, is that it actually was registered to his mom and she never reported it stolen. Like I said, it's not the best story or even a good one, but it's also not so far-fetched that it couldn't happen. After all, Tony even admitted in that rambling Facebook post he made in August that he frequented crack houses. Of course, in that post, he tried to make it sound like Crystal was the one with the drug problem, although that has never been proven or even acknowledged by her family other than to say Tony is a pathological liar. 
So that's his explanation for the car. And that's all that was known about the extent of that police interview because they surely didn't say anything to the public and Tony walked out of there a free man. Naturally, this further incensed Shadira and her family because they truly believe in their hearts that Tony is responsible for whatever happened to Crystal. And once again, it felt like law enforcement just didn't care. However, again, I want to believe that just because Tony wasn't arrested at that moment doesn't mean that the police didn't intend to do their due diligence to try to confirm or disprove Tony's statements. Because on or around the 9th of September, just a couple of days later, the sheriff's department found Crystal's cell phone. And I don't think this was just some lucky break in the case. I actually think, and this is just me speculating here, that the police found the phone because of something Tony told them in that interview. It's too coincidental in my mind that a couple of days after this chat, a key piece of evidence was located that hadn't been found before by the private investigator. The cell phone was the first time any evidence had been acknowledged as found during the official police investigation, but there were no details provided about how they found the phone, where it had been found, the condition it was in, or if anything else was found with it. Shadira said in that interview with Dateline that the police never told the family the phone had been recovered. They found out thanks to volunteers who'd been donating their time and resources to help locate Crystal. Again, to Crystal's family, this was just another example of the complete lack of empathy or decency towards them on the police's part, and I really can't say I blame them for that perspective. I understand that investigators have to be so careful with what they share and they can't give out too much information, but I think it's weird that they couldn't at least pick up the phone and tell Crystal's mom that they found her daughter's cell phone. It's just so strange. And again, her family is left to wonder if this lack of transparency and compassion is normal or something they're subjected to simply because they're Black. It's a valid question, of course. The weeks of September continue to come and go as the frustration and fear about Crystal and the investigation grew. The reward for information about Crystal's whereabouts grew to $10,000, but still no one had come forward with anything that led them to Crystal. On top of that, Tony was walking free and clear while Crystal was lost and unfound. It was just grating on her family who needed answers for themselves, but especially for Crystal's babies. The toll taken on them during this time had been immense to say the least. Ranging in age from six to 13, they're old enough to know their mom isn't around and the older children, especially Caleb, have genuine concern for their mom's safety, you know, based on what he saw. This whole tragic series of events has been taxing on everyone, and it felt like there wasn't any hope. That is, until Tony was arrested on September 28th by the West Columbia Police Department. The arrest warrant read, quote, 
Upon information and belief that on or about August 21st, 2022, the defendant, Tony Lee Berry, did unlawfully seize, confine, inveigle, and kidnap the victim, Crystal Anderson. This incident occurring in Aiken County, South Carolina, and being in violation of South Carolina Code of Laws as amended, end quote. So, Tony was taken into custody and transferred to Aiken County, where he was charged with kidnapping and was denied bond. While Crystal's family was relieved that Tony is finally in jail where he belongs, his arrest brought them no peace because they still had no idea what happened to Crystal. However, more than two months later, they received a very sad update. On December 12th, 2022, less than two weeks before Christmas, Tony's kidnapping charges were upgraded to homicide and arson charges were added. He applied for and was again denied bond following these charges. It was on this day Crystal's family learned that any and all hope they had of seeing her alive again were officially gone. Now the search for her remains began. This was truly the worst possible news for anyone who loved Crystal to hear, and my heart just broke for her innocent children. I know things for them will never be the same. A few days following the upgraded charges for Tony on December 15th, police made yet another arrest in connection to Crystal's murder. This time, Darius Berry, Tony's son, was arrested for accessory after the fact and police provided new details regarding the whole investigation. Number one, on August 20th, witnesses heard and saw an argument between Tony and Crystal, followed by Tony forcing her into the trunk of his Cadillac. The car was later found burned in Newberry County, which is more than an hour north of where Crystal was last seen. The car is believed to have been burned on August 28th between 2.40 and 4.30 a.m. Number two, Tony later bought suspicious items that police believed were used to aid him during and after the murder. Those items include a gas-powered auger, which is a high-powered tool used to dig holes, a shovel, pre-mixed fuel, plastic coveralls, gloves, a box of trash bags, and a large roll of plastic. Number three. Cell phone records proved that Tony and Darius were both in Newberry County at the same time the car was being burned together. Number four, detectives executed several search warrants that included cell phone records and search browser history and found that Darius and Tony were together to hide, destroy, and or withhold evidence and that Tony researched how to get away with murder. As of today, January 9th, 2023, this is where this tragic story ends while police continue to build their cases against Tony and Darius so that a state prosecutor can try and convict them as the murderers they are believed to be.
Crystal's children, mother, sister, friends, family, neighbors, and co-workers are now hoping that her body will be recovered so they can give her the burial she deserves and for justice to be served. As soon as there's more information about this case, I will be sure to post an update episode. This story was so heartbreaking to follow. It felt like things were changing weekly, if not daily, and each update took us further from where we wanted to be, which was to find Crystal alive. My heart goes out to her loved ones, and I truly hope she's resting in peace despite the ugly, awful way that wretched man stole her life. I really don't even have words to properly end this episode. So I'll just say this. If you or someone you know is suffering from domestic violence and abuse, please know there is help available. I know it's not easy to escape. In fact, it's probably one of the hardest things in the world to do, but it is the only chance of a normal and safe life you have. Please don't hesitate to reach out to organizations designed to help victims and their families suffering from domestic violence. You have options and help from professionals who are trained to support you. Please do what you can to save yourself because you do deserve to live freely and safely. You can start by calling the organization Love is Respect at 866-331-9474 or visit them on the web at www.loveisrespect.org. As always, thanks for listening. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram and I'll catch you next time on Massage and Wine Mobile. This is a Savvy Sounds production, written and produced 